0: right along here with another podcast and uh, i am really excited to bring you today's show because he is one of my favorites today's podcast is brought to you by new works plumbing of sacramento new works plumbing for all of your plumbing needs and repairs They are available to you around the clock, 24-7. Make sure you check them out online by going to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. And again, thank you so much for those of you that have taken the time to send me an email or hit me up on social media talking about how great New Works Plumbing has been for you. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to them. uh, And thank you very much. Yesterday... I did a show on No Filter Network with Sean Salisbury. Sean and I are going to be doing this show once or twice every week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we picked up yesterday's show by talking about the culprit that is social media. We are back again. Grant Napier, Sean Salisbury, No Filter Net. We are going to have a lot of fun. Sean's got the headsets on today. He's got the SD hat, man. Little West Coast action. We are Ray ready Bell, to roll. Brother.
1: How the ready hell to are you? roll.
0: Yeah, you're it's always good, ready man. to roll. You're we'll always ready to roll. Hey, man. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to bring something to your attention based on what we were talking about on Tuesday because you brought up a very interesting point as it related to social media. And I wanted to read this quote to you that Kevin Euclid put out on Twitter About a year ago, and it stuck with me. a matter of fact, I talked about it in my podcast because of everything that I have seen as it relates to social media. I don't know if anyone has put it into better terms than Kevin Euclid. He said this, the mental health and well-being of our country is deteriorating and social media is the culprit. The constant hatred towards others that don't share the same opinions is tiresome and unhealthy for our society. We all need to be better, so the next generation is healthier and happier. You kind of touched on this the other day, and I want you to hear what you said because I thought he hit that right on the head.
1: Yeah, I'm with him 100, percent. and you know that, Grant. I listen. I think at no time in our history now—I wasn't born during the Great Depression—and then on through the hardcore, you know, uh, racism when when we weren't allowed to have Jackie Robinson and all that. But I can't remember a time. And this just isn't related to race and I know you didn't mean it that way either it's related to your mental health when it comes to politics sports everyday life what you eat how you I mean there is nothing that people believe is off limits on social media and to me but as Mike Tyson I think said the the, the, the problem is is they can hide basically and I'll paraphrase they can hide behind the keyboard but it's you know until somebody can punch you in your fucking face right in your mouth yeah. right yeah they don't but but you can't because everybody can kind of say what they want and then we all get addicted Grant and I'm guilty of it too now I I can tell you this I'm it's very rare for me to go on social media and rip somebody to shreds just to do it to be an asshole you know what I'm saying especially when it comes to being personal now I'll be passionate about a sports opinion or if you want to tell me that you don't like this uh, policy and politics. I have no problem bantering. I just still can't believe that is right. The You and I are great friends. We, we could motherfuck each other up and down the street and then hug when it's done if we're having a sports passionate conversation. I just if still don't get it. And they say, well, get off social media. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you the truth now. If it wasn't for our jobs and what we do, I'm not sure I'd spend much time, if any, on social media. I've got a lot of friends and you meet some great people. But the information you get is so – that's the best thing about social media, the urge information. The problem is that we're at the time now, and I'm not sure which one's true and which one's – I don't know who social yep. mainstream media is, Grant. So Kevin Euclid is right. Mental health, suicides, a yep. lot of those other things are – it's because of social media. And it doesn't matter if it's sports, but everybody now has a voice, which is great. The problem is we're the, we may be the only country on the planet, or some of us, that somebody in sitting in Rhode Island will make an opinion on you – that, that, that won't come to your funeral, doesn't give a fuck who you are, doesn't know who you are, and we will take it to heart like it matters. that That's Amen. the problem. And, yeah, so, and I always reach, from, first thing I do when I'm getting up or going, you know, when you get your coffee, you, you look at social media in the morning at four in the morning before my show, yeah. which is, and I'm disappointed in myself in it, but it's good things, but Euclid is right. It is the biggest reason for division in this country, and it isn't even fucking close. Yep. Yeah,
0: we're going to talk, obviously, a lot of NFL. We're going to talk some college football. I just got somebody on that said they, did, they, they, they uh, streamed us a little bit late. So let me read the tweet again. This was about 14 or 15 months ago. You said, the mental health and well-being of our country is deteriorating and social media is the culprit. The constant hatred towards others that don't share the same opinions is tiresome and unhealthy for our society. We all need to be better so the next generation is healthier and happier. And the reason why I bring that up, I really enjoyed our uh, chat that we had 48 hours ago, and I really enjoyed the dialogue that you and I got into the last 20 minutes. And I got amazing feedback. A lot of people uh, email me, a lot of people on my social media account, and they really like what we were talking about with uh, cancel culture and social media and how fucked up our country is right now and how it's just everyone's putting their heads together and nobody wants to put their arms around each other and work together. I actually feel that the people – that I come in contact with, they do want to put their arms around each other. They do want to get along. I just think that we sometimes believe too much from what we see on social media. I don't believe that what I see and read on social media is the real world. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make.
1: Brent, you are 100. I'm so glad you said that because, hell, the truth is most of the world isn't on social media. Right. A lot, a lot of Part of the world in our country that is like, you know, as a Charles Barkley, if hell, there's enough going on. I don't want to do this shit. I mean, more trouble. It's more voices getting in your head. Now, like I said, we're all guilty of it. And I think it's it could be used for proper and the right way. But you're right. I can go around. Doesn't matter which race, what religion, what the politics are. Now You may get in banter at the same table having a cold beer. But when it's all said and done, people don't hate each other like social media wants you to believe. And the same people. I'd grant and it happens all the time and I, I've changed my ways about this guy used to be as an athlete we're reactive. My, my back, you know, somebody says something and you're like, what the fuck did you just say? That's it's like on the football field, you punch me, I'm punching back. You dunk on me. I'm going to dunk back on your ass. That's how we, as, and, and I'm sure a lot of societies like that, but that's how, you, even if your family didn't teach, you, but competitive and you only got a choice. If you don't react back, then you're going to be passing and get your ass kicked in the game. And sometimes that's carried over into your everyday life, right? Somebody says some, you open a door for somebody and they don't say thank you. Like, man, how the hell are you not saying thank you and having some common sense and respect? But I, I, I'm with you, that you can be around the greatest melting pot of people and it doesn't matter, and banter all you want. But my friends and the people I'm around in yep. face-to-face, I don't in take it as personal. And, I, and we're all guilty of it. Um, they don't take it as personal. And then when you're done, you laugh, guzzle the beer, have some laughs, put your arm, and everything's fine. So I'm with you. And the best way for me to solve social media, which I've changed on, which I talked about the reactive thing, and I meant to uh, pay it off, is for me, somebody says something really stupid. And I've taken on to this and showered them with kindness. And, man, I appreciate it. Sorry you feel that way. And you know what's weird? In two seconds, they will text back and say, you know, I was just being an asshole and a troll. I'm really sorry. I appreciate you being kind about it, which sometimes bothers me because I want to reach through it and say, how dare you try to ruin my day, even though I shouldn't care because I care about people, man. And anybody that says, Grant, I don't give a shit what anybody says, is a lie. That's right. We all care. We all care when we get booed as athletes. I mean, you still got to play through it, and it can't ruin your day, and it can't fester, but... We all care. I care how you feel about me. I care how the people who listen to my show feel about me. Now, if it's an opinion on sports that I don't care about because opinions are good. When somebody gets personal, it can't help but say, damn, what you perceive me like that. That's not me. But yeah, and you fight back. So uh, I'm with you, Sean, with kindness. And the truth is we'd have a lot less problems if we counted to 10 like they tell you to do when you want to fire back. We'd have a lot less problems and a lot less bullshit interaction on social media. The better interaction, which is really what it was designed yeah. for in the first place.
0: One of my really good friends is a former teammate of yours at USC who I worked with for years, Mike Lamb. And I had Mike on my podcast, and he made such a great point. Mike grew up in Clovis, California, and he said, hey, I grew up with a bunch of rednecks. He goes, I didn't know any better. And he goes, yeah, I grew up and said things that I, I didn't even know what I was doing. And he goes, when I went to USC, it changed my life. He goes, being around Ronnie Lott, being around Marcus Allen, they taught me so many things that I had not experienced growing up. And then we got into what you and I are talking about on social media. And Mike made a great point. He goes, you know what? He goes, go up to a stranger. Go up to somebody that doesn't sound like you. Go up to somebody that doesn't look like you and break bread with them. Sit down and have a conversation. And he made a great point. He said, you'll find out that you have so much more in common with that person than you could have ever imagined. And I've talked a lot about this on my podcast. One of the great things about me moving to South Florida away from Sacramento is that when I meet people here, no one knows who I am. They have no idea that I was an NBA announcer or NFL. They don't know. I'm just some guy that they're striking up a conversation with. And I actually have enjoyed so much in meeting so many diverse people in South Florida. You have people from Cuba. You have people from uh, Cuba, South America. You have you know, a, a large African-American community. And I have made it my, I don't want to say mission, but I've loved it. I've met so many phenomenal people. But the key, Sean, is... We started from the ground floor. There was no bullshit. There was no, well, that's the asshole on radio that cursed at me the other day. You know what I mean? There's no, oh, gee, you know, he's right. the announcer. I got to go up to him because just like you, when you played sports, everyone wants a piece of you. And you don't really know if it's because you played quarterback at USC and the NFL or because you're just a guy that they want to talk to. And and the reason why I bring this up is I have found that I have so much in common with just the perfect strangers. Doesn't matter their ethnicity. Doesn't matter their generation. Doesn't matter their religion, their sexuality. I mean, I've met all types of people in the last 12 or 15 months. And I got to tell you something, Sean. Some of these people have turned into my best friends in life right now. And, and I love it. So when I see all this bullshit on social media, I say to myself, you know what? I don't think that's the real world.
1: I Agreed, and you say I'm not going to buy into it because you're not sucking me down into that deep hole. You're not, and you know, as you mentioned, our guy Mike Lamb, hes one of my best friends in the world. Yeah, Mike and I—you know—we're at SC together all those years, and my man Clam is one of the greats. And it's true. <laughs> and how right. so you can walk in somebody's shoes or hear the shoes they walked in. And I'm not talking about the the, the hard times, although you want to hear that, and the good times, but just to walk in their shoes, just to say, man, let me hear what you got. Grant, I'll tell you this the most peaceful times of my life now are when I'm around people that don't have any idea what I've done or what I do in my career.
0: It's the best, isn't it? Like, love it. Yeah,
1: because I don't feel like I have to be on all the time and talk about sports or if somebody, and you know what social media has done? And I know this is going to sound weird. Social media, when you look at it, if you go in with that, I'm going in to troll, I'm going in to get after these pricks today, right? If you go with that attitude, it, 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 you, you can't, it, you'll come out, you'll only find the bad shit on there, right? But then you look at the good, so I'll see guys like a John Gordon on Twitter who's always got uplifting stuff, and I say, you know what, that's how you're supposed to live your life because if not, you're 20 hours of bullshit or 16 hours. And another thing for me is, when I go on, when I'm not on social media or not believing what I'm, you know, they tell you how you're supposed to believe in this brainwash of you're supposed to not like a guy that's a Democrat or a Republican. You're not supposed to like a guy that, uh, that thinks different to you, that doesn't go to the same church as you. And the truth of the matter is, aside from the skin color or the religion or what sports team you root for, when you're just sitting out have a conversation, you're exactly right. Most of the people I come in contact with, other than maybe if they're hardcore, you know, politics stuff, even if you disagree, there's so much more in common to like. And social media makes you go on there and say, I know who to hate even though you don't hate him, right? Yeah, yeah. The guys you look at and say, man, and then you, it's happened. You'll see, sure it does. that guy's an asshole. And then all of a sudden you'll have an appearance or you'll be around and you'll meet him. Just, I don't know how it works, but you'll meet him. And you know what? You're like, I love that guy. And you're right, post sports, out of sports, out of social media. Some yep. of the best dudes I've met is somebody across the street or walking into a restaurant and you have a conversation. Next thing you know, you're inviting him over for a beer to watch college football and he has no, and you'll go three meetings into it and he still don't know what your past is. You you hit it square, so did my clam. is social media, for the most part, paints a picture that you're supposed to be negative. When in truth, social media should paint the picture that we should be looking at. If you go in and look at the good traits of people, the bad traits, you can just push aside now or help. I've always I got a bad trade. I want somebody to talk me out of my bad trade or help me through it. And I got plenty of them. But I'll tell you what, social media can beat you down if you don't go in and gird up your loins and (laughs) bad attitude. It's true. You you have to. And 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 it is it's important that we start to find out and people should that there are more people. Social media is not representative of what society is really like. I don't believe it. I don't believe the world's racist. I don't believe. I don't either. That, I, I don't believe that Democrats hate Republicans, although I don't. They may say it in print on, on social media. I don't believe it because most times 90% of my friends, I don't even know what their politics are. And I nope. don't give a shit. I don't, I don't know what 98% of them do on Sunday for church. And it does not matter to me. Who but cares? On social media, they make it matter. And okay. getting caught up into that stuff is, is, a, is, a, is a bad, bad uh, habit to get into. Amen.
0: I am so glad you brought that up. All right. I want to switch gears. Let's get into sports a little bit. This really caught my eye. Peter King, who I think is the best in the business, his Monday uh, football column is top shelf. And we always get into debates about turnovers and how important they are. This is amazing. He made this statement in his column on Monday that last year, 11 of the leading 12 teams in turnover differential made the playoffs And the 12th Miami won 10 games. Conversely, Sean, the bottom eight in turnover margin, Denver, the Raiders, the Niners, Philly, Detroit, Houston, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, none, none of the bottom eight in turnover differential had a winning record. You know, we throw a lot of bullshit numbers at you, and I think we get carried away sometimes with too many numbers. Those numbers right there do not lie. Those numbers tell the story. Turnovers are the key.
1: And you know what's interesting about it, Grant, is when all, not turnovers lead to the other most important stat in the world when it comes to sports winning. As you as you pointed out with the people at 10 and then Miami who won 10 games. Yep. Um, but, did, you know, you got to be a little lucky if you're not going to win the turnover differential to win a couple extra games, right? I, I think it's the most telling. I know it is in, in, in football it may be the most telling analytic or or st- stat and we do we get bogged down with launch angle in baseball how you uppercut now when that used to be against they wanted you to beat down to the ball and hit base hits now it's launch angle can you hit 240 but drive in 120 runs and, and hit 40 home yep. runs and statistics on three-point shots as opposed to two your expertise in in hoops as well even though you're expert on all of it so there are analytics and, uh, and, and statistics that stick out. No more than that. And I promise you every coach that I've ever had or that I've ever interviewed or ever sat with, I say, give me what's going to be the difference. And it's so boring to hear, and we know it, but it's true that you can be a boring offense if you protect the ball for – for mo- if you protect the ball and win the, the differential in turnovers, when all is said and done, you're going to look around and say, damn, we got a chance to make the playoffs last week of the season. I'm just telling you. The yep. aberration is – You missed the playoffs and won the turnover differential throughout the season. The norm is if you're better than the other team and you don't turn it over more and you're in the plus category, not in the minus category, you got a chance come January to get to February. And it is the most telling statistic in sports, I believe, and maybe I'm biased because of football
0: something that happened this week that I just really pissed me off and Bill Belichick and the Patriots cutting Cam Newton. And there are those that want to make more of it than to me what it is. One of them being former defensive back Asante Samuel. And he goes on social media, speaking of social media and rips Bill Belichick and then talks about, gee, you know, he's not really a great coach. He was only great when he had Tom Brady. I mean, what a bunch of bullshit that is. Why do people have such a problem when a coach cuts a player? What is it about Cam Newton? I mean, Was Cam Newton good with New England? No. We talked about Mac Jones. You brought this up two days ago. Right now, it's not even close. He's a better quarterback than Cam Newton. Why do so many people have a problem with the Patriots cutting Newton?
1: Uh, I have. Listen, if you want to get to the brass tacks of the shit, the bottom line is the 2000, whatever, the the MVP Cam Newton isn't that guy anymore. Cam Newton would be a... Yeah, well, we could go down. I'm not. We're not. That was, gonna that, was that was six
0: years ago, 2015. That's
1: right. I, I'm right. not going to bore anybody with going down every team, but I'll get through 25 teams he can't start for. I'll get to. I mean, you're talking about the bottom of the league. Okay, let's say the Texans and Jacksonville and Detroit. Let's just go with those three teams. Now, while Cam's more talented than Tyrod Taylor, I'll sure as shit tell you Cam will turn it over more than Tyrod will. I will promise you that. But Tyrod, and you know, I love Cam. I I, I hold him in the highest regard this is not personal it's the fact that hey there comes a point in time when oh listen i was a motherfucker in high school dude i was a great (laughs) athlete there but guess what my 10 years in the nfl the the fish story is great in high school but there comes a point in time when i'm just not as good and i'm not saying comparing myself to newton but he's not the same guy he's he's not the same guy and i don't know why that's so hard and you know what asante samuel it became a time when he was just an he was just a guy on the field too. So I always love when people say, "Oh, Belichick was nothing without Brady." Just stop it. He's the greatest coach that ever lived. Absolutely, yes, Brady, the, Brady. The quarterback's more important because he got the ball on his hand. But I'll be Brady won't win seven Super Bowls without him, and Bill wouldn't either. But Bill, along the line with the right quarterback, probably would win a couple. And I can assure you, Brady, as he proved in Tampa, that he's going to win him, too. So they needed each other at the right time, and now they're trying to prove it. And yeah. Brady did in one year, but Detroit. Who throws the ball better, more consistent, right now? Even though he's been Jared Goff, that'd be a good competition. Tyrod Taylor, he ain't beating out Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence's already a better player. So my point is, while he may be one of the thirty-two starters, you go down and you say, okay, where? I tell you right, who's going to win now? While he's more dynamic and talented, if you're the Washington football team and Rivera coaches there, yep, who, who, who gives you a better chance to win right now? Cam, and remember availability or the way the way Fitz throws it. Tyrod Taylor here competition. Yes, but if the Texans thought he gave him the best chance to win right now, wouldn't they have him here? I mean, Amen. it's logical. So I think he can play. I don't think he's an elite quarterback anymore. I don't think he's a, oh my gosh, franchise starter. Can he start? Yes. Can he win games? Yes. I, I think he's a fantastic player. He's not the same guy anymore, but who is when they're six, seven years removed? He's been banged up. He was physical. He got hammered, but I don't know why people got a problem with it. It's called football. It's business. People get fired. People get cut. I hope he lands somewhere else and goes and plays well and rejuvenates his career. But the bottom line is I can roll through 25 guys tomorrow, today, in five minutes that are better starters. And if they weren't, Cam would be there because coaches don't want to get fired. There's rookies right now that you wouldn't take Cam over. So and, and I do like him I, Hell, if he's vaccinated or if he, you think he's going to be healthy, I don't have a problem putting him on my team, especially for the price you would get him for. But I don't know why people just because he gets cut, then you got to go all in and rip Bill Belichick. Why can't you just say, man, we're right. bummer, shocked that they cut him. But hell, he's a good player. Uh, New England's lost. Maybe somebody else's game. But it's that bitter shit that drives me crazy. Just you know what? Sometimes you got to take the L and realize that it's <laughs> better. Well, all, I, it's hit me plenty of times. It'll hit, Cam, and there's going to come a time it's going to hit Stafford. It's going to hit Goff. It's going to hit them all. There's going to come a time. when it, Now, the aberration is the guy going to play till he's 90, and that's Brady. But most normal dudes fall off a little. Cam's had a hell of a career. Cam's no longer an elite quarterback.
0: Bottom line is Bill Belichick, as you pointed out, is probably the greatest coach to ever live. And I think he's as good as any defensive mind that's ever been on the sidelines. I think Bill Belichick's defensive acumen is fucking off the charts.
1: Greatest in-game adjusters yes, pe- Period. In the world. Right. Ever. Yeah,
0: exactly. Absolutely. All right. You used to, when you just talked about vaccinated, which is very interesting because that was part of the bullshit up in New England, but you heard what Urban Meyer said earlier in the week. And then he had to backtrack talking about some of the roster cuts you know, they did factor in who was vaccinated and who was not. Now, I know all the bullshit rules and all the protocol and what, what is legal and what's not. But I don't have a problem with that. I mean, you got to do what's best for your football team. Uh, I know it's a fine line. I know you're dealing with legalities and shit. But I didn't have a problem with Urban Meyer saying that.
1: No, and here's the reason why NFLPA unions come into play. Right. Right. When you overload your mouth with your ass a little bit and Urban's learning the NFL. In college, Urban gets to be the athletic director, even though he's not by the dad and the coach, right? It's a little different than the NFL. Now look at the two differences and I, I I hold urban and I think urban's a hell of a coach too. I hope, I mean, I, I I hope he's successful so we can get rid of this college coaches can't coach in the NFL crap, right? Yeah, Matt Rule's trying to do the same thing. I hope he does. But Bell, when they asked Bill about uh, vaccines, whether he did or not, Cam's not there because of vaccine or not. What's Bill say? no, simple. No. <laughs> and if Urban says, well, it factors in and he has to backtrack because the NFL, the union's like, oh, they cut him because of a vaccine. Oh, let me go in and get some money. I mean, can't I do know. it. Even though we know, listen, there's no secret. Cam Newton would probably be on a roster in a day or so if he was vaccinated. That becomes a problem because, and I think Peter King also pointed this out, Grant. And you talk about the great Peter King and his in his musings and his writings. He's fabulous is and opinionated, which I love. Is why wouldn't you? And this isn't my argument over if you're vaccinated or not. That's a listen, I'm making that shit that decision for you. And right. it's a shitty argument, it's a shitty battle because you can't win. If you're sitting on one side <laughs> or the other, you're not gonna win it. You have no shit. Right. I like social media. But when it comes to it, if I'm a head coach, I'll speak for myself. If I'm a head coach and somebody comes to me, and I got, like I've told you, I got a couple family members that been you know, media fed that aren't vaccinated. I, I still love them. And they're going to, they're going to make that choice to them. And I hope it's the right one. You know, it does. But if I've got a team and my job is to win games and I need a quarterback or a starting linebacker or whatever, I know they can tell me all they want about their waiting and I get it to see what they want. If they're not comfortable. But the bottom line is I'm not, then I reverse it. I saying, well, I'm not comfortable bringing a unvaccinated player into a quarterback meeting room or the linebacker meeting room because the protocol and us losing two games is, is, is too risky. Unless, of course, you're Russ Wilson or Tom Brady, who's not, I'm not saying they aren't, but you say, well, of course, I'm going to keep this guy. I mean, we're going to Carson Wentz in Indianapolis, another case in point. We'll see how that turns out. But, man, I, I just, I get the business side of two even players, even money, one's vaccinated, one's not. The choice is easy. It's like in college, Grant. And I'm not saying it's like staying because the virus and people get sick. But think about this. And I train all these quarterbacks. I got two great quarterbacks. Let's say they're both five-star players, Grant. Let's say they're both top of the line, right? Even though the star system sucks ass, but two, two top-of-the-line players. And both are great citizens. Both are uh, They're the same height. They weigh the same. They One came from Texas. One came from California. Great high school football programs. And I'm at Stanford or, and I'm recruiting them or anywhere, Southern Cal where I went. I say, man, I love them both. They both came to our camp when they were 15 years old, 16. One of them, his test scores on the ACT and SAT are through the roof and his GPA is three, nine, seven or four He's that guy. And then the other one's a 2.2 student who we barely got in, uh, who who, 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 we're going to have trouble getting in. But if we get him in, will he stay eligible for us to play in the fall? Now, I know it's a different analogy, but the tr- if I'm David Shaw, if I'm Clay Helton, if I'm Nick say Save- I don't care where it is. If I'm at Vanderbilt, another great academic school, or any school, and I say, well, this guy, there's a chance t- to carry in 12 credit hours, he's going to fail out of school. Not that he's dumb, but it's, they're all the same, a 4.0 or a 2.2, Grant, who are you taking?
0: Hey, don't no shit. I got you loud and clear. Right.
1: Right. And it's yeah. the same thing with this, but in a bigger situation because the virus affects people. Vaccinated, two guys, same same money, boom, gives us a chance. This guy's not vaccinated, so it's risky. This guy is. No brainer. The, the, the decision is too easy. Yes, it is. Regardless of how you feel about the vaccination. It's business. Amen. Unfortunately, it's become business. And yep. guys are going to lose jobs or not get jobs back because of it. All
0: right. You play quarterback. Uh, obviously, we know about at USC, the NFL. And when we hear about quarterback, we hear the term leader. And we hear about leadership. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is I didn't play quarterback. So you know all about this. Josh McCown, former NFL quarterback, was talking about Kirk Cousins. And he thought that Cousins not being vaccinated, Sean, that that
1: could affect and would affect his leadership of that football team. You buying that? I think it can. I think that you got to – and I'm not popping out of answering this, and I'll try to get to it, Grant, is that I think what happens is – we always expect our leaders to do, and here's what I've been told, remove the vaccine, whether it's running sprints or anything. We always expect our leaders to do, and like our quarterbacks, and I always took it like this, to do everything that everybody else, I mean, to show them. But don't. It's like any great leaders don't tell me how to do it, they show me. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Anybody can yell. It's like a great coach. Great coaches, all of them, I mean, coaches can yell and scream. The best coaches are teachers first, and then they – Their coach is second. I like great teachers, so they explain it. And you don't move on from a subject until everybody comes along. I can't teach a math class. where 20, get it, and two don't because we're going so fast. Leave two behind and they fail out. That's on me as a teacher. Got to bring them along. How do I get them there? Do I got to spend extra hours with them? So great leadership comes. Now, listen, if you're playing golf or tennis, I really don't give a flying fuck what you do for your leadership. (laughs) That's you versus you. Right. But there is something, and I have a lot of respect for Josh too, I, I respect Cousins' decision to do what he wants for what he thinks is for his family. Whether I agree or not, respect it because he's a grown-ass man. Right. But in a locker room like this, now you're responsible. Like I said, leadership comes with, remember what I said, showing them, not telling them. So when you're getting into somebody else's wallet and they're saying, well, can I count on him? There's a great leader. He's telling us, okay, we all got to show up on time for practice. Sometimes you got to play through the flu. You know, I'm just overall leader. When you run sprints, the quarterback can't finish last. Get your ass up in front, even if you're not the fastest. You work the hardest because that's just what guys expect. Even if you aren't the best worker, aren't the fastest, they expect it because leaders are supposed to make people around them better. In every in every facet of that game, study and tape, teach them, how, be in there first. It's just the way it works. So I think Josh could be on something. Kirk Cousins, who you know when he was at Michigan State, Grant. You know one of the I talked to a couple of coaches. You know what they loved most about him? His leadership. Remember, he's a fourth round draft pick, same year Robert sure. Griffin. But his yep. leadership, because they and, and now he's turned into a four thousand yard passer, where people want him to win the big game, which he hasn't been able to do other than that Saints game, but on a consistent basis. But I think that there is a possibility that you can lose part of the room, and the problem is when you lose part of the room. Part of the room is the difference between winning a division and winning seven games. So the risk is there. Now it comes into how do the other leaders respond? Are they guys that are weak-minded themselves? Are they strong-minded? Do they bring him along? Do they expect it? But it's hard to tell somebody one thing in one walk of life and then do something different. I call that you're peeing in my face and telling me and it's raining. Now, I know your family life and the virus is a very controversial, slippery slope thing. But... You are not just responsible for you anymore. And great leaders, if you're a fa- if you're a man at home with your family, you're you're, you're going to make sure that your kids and your wife or your girlfriend are protected no matter what, right? Not just from the virus, from anything, from anything, from any harm's way or anything. As a quarterback, I always felt it was my responsibility to make sure that the bullets that were flying from a defense or the media that I confess it was my fault, not theirs. And this comes into play too. Leadership's fragile. There's not many great ones. There is some underrated leaders. And at that position, every friggin' move you make from the time you're a quarterback in junior high till now, people are watching. And if Cousins is spending more time talking about vaccinations than his teammates, it can yep. become a problem.
0: That's a great point. You know, staying in that division, a quarterback that was synonymous with Detroit, although no playoff wins, not entirely his fault. Matthew Stafford, you talked about golf, the trade to the Rams. And I'm hearing a lot of people talking about the Rams and how they think he is going to be tremendous with Sean McVay in that offense. We know about their defense. It's solid. You know, they don't stay on the field long They get the ball back. How long do you think it takes Stafford to get entirely comfortable with Sean McVay in that offense? A veteran is it that big of a deal, or is it going to take a couple of games?
1: Grant, if we would have had – I'm always concerned about shortened training camps, but we had a normal offseason for the most part this year, right? I mean, it was a little yes. more yeah. normal than last year. A little year. bit more. I trust Stafford that he spent time – I can, knowing the way I see McVay deal with players, I, I talked to – when when McVay got the job in, in L.A., I remember talking to um, Eric Dickerson. I talked to Jackie Slater. And was the other one, it might, it might very well have been uh was it Mike Lansford? Maybe it wasn't Mike Land kicker, but it was two, maybe a third player, a kid that used to play with the Rams that were skeptical of this young kid coming in here, right? And in his early 30s, late 20s, right? Yep. He was in, And then he brought them all in and sat him in former players, talked football with them, how he was gonna approach it. And all three guys, there was a third, whoever it was, I can't remember, said, they came away from there saying, this dude gets it. And he had him in a Super Bowl pretty quickly. Matt Stafford gets it. Matt Stafford's always had to be the guy who carried you on his back. It's kind of like when you're a parent and a kid. Our parents raise us our whole life and do everything for us, and then it shifts. Grant, you have parent, my parent. Then when they get to a certain age, my mom died at 80, you know, 82 years old. It shifts, now you gotta start taking care of your parents. Mm-hmm. It's time for Matt Stafford to be taken care of by other teammates, right? Where he doesn't have to do everything. And I think that's a real good thing that he can go in there. Now, he may end up throwing for 5,000 yards and being the MVP. He's got it in him. But he doesn't have to feel the pressure every damn snap. If I don't make a great play, we got no chance. He can throw a pick. Aaron Donald will get two sacks and and it changed. They didn't have that. It changed. It didn't have it in Detroit. So I don't think it's going to be that hard. Matter of fact, I would imagine that Sean, my point about football IQ, I would imagine Sean and Matt have spent a lot of time together. The receivers, he'll get that timing down. Yep. If the personnel's good and you've got a good coaching staff with good players that are willing to commit and dedicate and understand what the end game is and what it takes to be there. And the, listen, Golf was a decent player, but Goff got him to a Super Bowl and he thinks Stafford can win him one. And if the hype, if they live up to the hype <laughs> by all the hype, they're going to the Super Bowl if they live up to the hype that everybody talks about. And what one guy and that one position does make a difference. I don't expect Matt Stafford to have any issue coming out of the gate smoking and Sean McVay, get him comfortable. But Sean McVay's not going to back off Say, well, let's play it safe early. He knows he's got a 98-mile-an-hour, 100-mile-an-hour fastball guy. He's going to let it rip. This is the best chance Sean McVay's had to win a Super Bowl. And that's saying something considering they were in a Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. Stafford is the most, how can I say it? We've never, we've seen his potential individual. We've never right. seen Matt Stafford with a great team and they've got the potential to be pretty damn good.
0: And in all fairness, I mean, he has had opportunities in the big games where, you know, he's made those mistakes. All right. And you can't just discount that we used to say the same thing about cousins. And then you pointed out, you know, what was it? Two years ago, cousins goes into the dome and he beats breeze and the saints. That was a signature win for him because that kind of silenced his critics. Say right. what you want about Stafford. He does have his critics, but people like you kind of look more at the team and who was around him in Detroit than than the quarterback
1: himself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and, and Grant, but I'm not making excuses. There are times that Stafford didn't need to – Stafford threw balls into, into – because he put it this way. His biggest weakness is his biggest strength, or vice versa. Biggest strength, biggest weakness. He's got a beautiful and a, a phenomenal arm, but he trusts it. It's like Favre. He trusts it too much. To the point where the window could be the size of a coffee can and he's going to go with that sniper aim, small miss, small mentality. He's putting it there. And for him, the defense part is he knew he had to. Now, Grant, let's put it this way. And it's no excuse because he's got to play better in certain situations because he wants that big signature winner 10, right? You and I broadcast. Let's say we're doing a TV studio show together or this show like this. And we had to produce it, direct it. We're doing a hell. We're doing the Super Bowl. I don't care what it is. Produce it, direct it. Understand the cameras. Make sure that the the food was delivered on time. All those things. And would our job suffer a little? Oh, we're worried about the camera. But we're trying to give you content. We're, you get my point? Yeah. So, and I see, Stafford won't make that excuse. Uh, he he won't because that's what a good leader does. But the rest of us can because we see he's not going to sell out team. They've had good players, and I mean, hell. Megatron wasn't half bad. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. Golden Tate at one. I mean, he's had some good players. The problem is the pieces have been better than the sum. Does that make sense? And so, while I'm not making all, of you, and, and I don't think Stafford would want it, but I know his football. I've spent time talking to him, his football IQ is through the roof, and he'll take some shots and he gets careless with the ball. But hopefully, they'll protect that. But he's now got the ability for their defense that if he gets careless, they can get a stop and get it right back for him. So I'm not giving him a 100% hall pass, but I will tell you this. He will be, he doesn't have to be the whole piece of the puzzle, just the largest piece on offense, and and things will be fine. But he knows, he knows he's got to even elevate his game. But in truth, if Ta, if, if Matt Stafford, in my opinion, was on the Kansas City Chiefs, now he's not Mahomes, but I'll tell you this, Kansas City Chiefs would be staring at the AFC Championship game every uh, 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 just as well. They may not win the Super Bowl But now he's got a team that he can go into and go for it. He's got the best defensive player in the league on his side of the ball. No shit. He's going to elevate. So I know he puts numbers up, but I don't want him to be an Xbox quarterback where he gets the numbers, but then makes me throw my controller against the wall in a clutch game when he throws it. (laughs) And I, I think that they all think that this is the year or this contract, this trade elevates them to a point where you won't have to throw your controller against the wall.
0: All right. Hey, Sean, let's talk some college football, man. Damn, this weekend, it's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, the headline game is Alabama and Miami and Atlanta. And you look at Alabama and it's just like, hey, let's reload. And Nick Saban, I mean, you know, no more Mac Jones, two top draft picks at wide receivers. Najee Harris goes to Pittsburgh. I mean, you look at all the players on defense that are first round picks. And yet you look at that team and you're like, holy shit, they don't look like they have any weaknesses again.
1: I, I'll tell you what, I'd find me one. I I know I'm sure there I'm now nickel David will find 30 of them because that's the the expectations, (laughs) right? Right. And he'll get it and they'll go in there and they may hang 50, but he's a lot like Belichick. There's never really satisfaction comes when you're walking off the field at the end of a national title, but guys like him, I talked to Dick Vermeule about this years ago. I said, you miss football. And I said, did you, and I said, talk to me about the hardest thing about football. He said, and Vermeule looked me in the face at Sean, I didn't enjoy the wins enough. The win, the losses, I suffered more than the joy of the wins. And he said, if I could do it over again, I'd try to make it where the wins, I enjoyed them more. That doesn't mean all eight straight days, but enjoy And you could look at Saban can win 40, 48 to three. And when he does that post, he may be happy. But the time he gets home the next day, you know what he's thinking? How am I going to do this again next year? That's what great ones do. But I hope that he sits back and says, "Damn, I got my seventy-fifth ring on my finger and do it." But I don't see a weakness now. Mac Jones had a—we talked about Joe Burrow's season the year before, you know, the year before. Right. Perfect. And right. we said, "How can anybody duplicate that?" Well, Mac Jones came pretty damn close. I mean, he, their numbers were pretty wild. Yeah. But new offensive coordinator. Yep. The t- Bill O'Brien is there now, and Bill O'Brien in Houston, everybody looked at this says, ah, too conservative. What's he going to do? Can Bill O'Brien make that adjustment and know that this is college, dude, even though it's Nick Saban, he likes defense. You're, we're in a different world now. Can you match? They're going to spread it out, and they're going to go, dude. And, <laughs> and Sarkeesian, who did an unbelievable job, but he's got this kid, Bryce Young, who's extremely gifted. So I guess if there's a weakness, it's a new quarterback that doesn't have any work under his belt, but – Watch how quickly that transforms. If O'Brien can pick up where Sarkeesian left off, I don't see any weakness. Miami will have to play their best game to beat him, and, and Alabama would probably have to play 80% to, for Miami to be in the game. I respect Miami, but if, if Alabama plays their best, they'll kick Miami's ass. And I, I, I feel I got a lot of Canes buddies, but if they play their best and keep doing it, I don't see why they're not playing in the Final Four again, man. It's just he's so well, – while well, we talked about Belichick being the best coach of all time in NFL – yeah, find th- There's nobody better that's ever coached college football, not just coaching, but he understands the recruiting deal. And he's the best recruiter we've probably ever had.
0: I got to chuckle when you talked about Dick Vermeel. I had a chance a couple of years ago up at Lake Tahoe to interview Dick Vermeel on the driving range. And he was sitting right across the table from me. And it was probably the most enjoyable 20 minutes that I've ever talked football with anybody. I mean, we talked about Jim Hannafin, you know, and we, he spent... I, I love Jim and I thought the guy was oh, just yeah. fucking great. He was one of my favorites, and I, 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 when he was with the Cardinals, I used to cover them and got a chance to know him and talk to him. And I just, lo- I just love the man. But boy, I got to tell you, you talk to football people all the freaking time. Spending twenty minutes with Dick Vermeil was one of the highlights of all the people I've ever talked to.
1: He will, and, I, and this may sound like hyperbolic. Dick Vermeil can, you can go from having a shitty day. And in the con- and I've been fortunate to have a lot of conversations in person with Coach Ramil in interviews and then yep. spend time talking with him after. He, he'll say some things that I still use to this day or things that he said when he went on. And he's a great storyteller. And he gets in and he's been through the highs and lows. And you, you hear him tell the story about Kurt Warner and what happened when Trent Green got hurt and how they went yep. about it. And, the, and, and you just he's always... Okay, and, he, you know, he loves his wine and how, how hard the wine business He goes, man, the yeah. wine business is hard, but he loves it. He <laughs> yeah. is fine—a man, family man, dedicated. He's a coach. He, he's coached great ones. He was a hell of a broadcaster, motivational speaker. And I just think he's – and all that being said, he's a better man than he is any of the other things, and he's a great at all the other stuff. So, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan, and you're right. You find out a lot about a guy, and in 20 minutes – Dick yeah, Vermeer, No matter what you thought about Dick Meal going in, when yep. you come out of it, you love him. And that's hey, the it's, truth. A, it's the same thing. You can have the worst freaking
0: day in the world. And if you can spend 10 minutes, forget about 20 minutes, with Herm Edwards, at the end of having a 10-minute conversation with Herm, you're going to feel like you can jump to the moon. You know?
1: When, that's, I, that's, when I talk, right? yeah, when he first came to ESPN, <laughs> I was there. We'd sit next <laughs> to each other, and we'd go back and forth. And he is Herman Edwards. And I, I, I what, did Herm play? Again, let's see. I'm trying to think if he ever coached with Vermeil On his, I don't think so. I don't but think Herm, he did. Uh, Herm might have been playing. I, I'm not when he was. I think it was <laughs> San Diego State, if I'm not mistaken, right? But when Dick Vermeil was coaching in college, I don't. I don't know where that time. Right, was, right, but right. There are similarities. Yeah. So, did, did he have him in Philly? I was just going to ask.
0: I. It would have been at her, It would have been at the end of Herm's career,
1: right? Right. Maybe right. in Philly, where when Dick Vermeil was yeah. coaching. Regardless. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities in motivation with those two. But Herm, I, I tell him, I say, dude, first of all, you don't age, number one. Herm, I, I think oh boy Ray Harris, Please, doesn't age.
0: No, he's incredible. He still
1: play. Right. Oh, yeah. And he's a guy that if you ever questioned what uh, your ability or ever questioned wh- how much you should appreciate life, and I understand why those kids love him at Arizona State because I Damn love him right. too. Damn Herm right. Herman Edwards. Second, he opens up his mouth. You're saying, what do you need me to do, dude? I'm good. I'll do anything. Even stuff shit, you wouldn't even dream about doing. Herm could talk you into if you don't like cliff diving. You'll do a triple a triple Lindy off the doggone cliff because Herm's convinced you that you'll head straight in the water and come yeah. up just fine. He is a yeah. guy, I mean, when I say I love Herman Edwards, yeah. I, have more, I have so much respect. I do love him, man. He's a guy easy to root for.
0: Easy yeah. to root for. Man, that's great. You know, we talk about the SEC. You talk about Alabama. And then, of course, you know, a lot of people think Georgia is going to be the team. It's so hard to repeat as national champions. If you look at the list of repeat champions, as a matter of fact, I believe the last team to do it was Alabama. And that was about 10 years ago. So if you go by the numbers, they won't win the national championship. And a lot of people are talking about Georgia. But let's now go out west and talk about your alma mater in that Pac-12. Your thoughts on where USC stands in the landscape of college football right now.
1: Brad, let me ask you this over the course of we flip back to you and then I'll answer that. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, when you're doing when you're broadcasting an NBA team, you see him all the time. Yeah. I'm does tradition and history and blue blood type of like the Celtic, you know, blue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not playing well. New York Knicks. Yeah. Does that matter to an opponent? Is there something about it? If you're playing those teams? Yes. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Does that, does that still exist? Did it exist in in that sport?
0: Uh, you know what, when you played the San Antonio Spurs for 20 years and they were in the playoffs every year and they were winning 50 plus games, even when they were playing like shit, if the game was close at the end, you knew you were going to get their best five minutes. It didn't matter what they were doing in the previous 43 minutes. I believe that there are not a lot of those teams that you're referring to, but there were some in the NBA and you just knew it didn't really matter what was going on. The Spurs were not going to beat themselves. I'll use that as a cliche. You know, a lot of teams end up beating right. themselves in crunch yeah, time. Absolutely. You, the Spurs weren't going to beat themselves in crunch time. And there were a few teams like that, but you, to, your example, the first thing that came to mind were the Spurs.
1: Yeah, and it's it, it, the great thing. When you're not playing well, you at least don't. My whole thing is teams that don't beat themselves are in every game, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the sport is. If you're a baseball team and you're a bad defensive team, you're eventually going to get got. And so I'm curious because you're, you've been covering this sport a lot longer than I have when it comes to covering it. And and I'm with you. I The problem with my alma mater right now with the Trojans is I think there's part of us and alumni and former players and even them, right? You knew this growing up watching them in the West coast and seeing the Trojans sure. too. And we've talked about them before. And your former partner, Mike Lamb is it, we knew every game physically. You may beat us, but physically you, you were going to get beat down. On my whole career, didn't I? When you got Bruce Matthews and Roy Foster, I mean, you were going to get beat down. Now, if you beat us, y- your nose was going to be bloodied on a regular basis. I think the biggest problem is we don't know what our identity is at SC right now. Now, listen, our schedule, we don't have Oregon or Washington on the schedule. Utah is good, but the South, UCLA, yep. I think can is good. I think UCLA, this is a big game with LSU. I, I'm telling you, if LSU blinks UCLA and Chip Kelly, this may be Chip's time to turn UCLA I mean, he has had trouble winning there. And if it's a hot seat, this is going to be a season that Chip has to turn it around. And so I worry about that for my Trojans. But at LSU coming to town after a rough week in New Orleans, obviously with the storm, it's going to be interesting to see. But with my Trojans, the identity has always been, where are you out physically and we'll make enough plays, throwing the ball, and defensively, we're active and run. But now that this college football thing where if you can't beat them, you join them. Graham Harrell, who I love, but we're going to spread it out and we're going to throw it. And then we wonder as alumni or former players or even them, I think we keep preaching, yeah, this is what we do at SC, student body right. The problem is student body rights become kind of student body right and not the whole student body. You, you get my point. And yep. so we're gonna beat you, finesse. I think if they can force physicality, and I'm talking about it and stick with it, Keaton Slovis is very accurate, they can win the South, and then they won't see Oregon or Washington, who are the heavy favorites in the North, until the Pac-12 championship. Which means if somebody were to go undefeated. You know, SCS, Notre Dame, UCLA, that's the two toughest send a sneaky Arizona state team. Hell, you go undefeated, at least you give yourself a chance to get to the final. Play, right? <laughs> so I don't know right. if they're. Now, listen, if they played Alabama today, the, the, we are we are what Alabama used to be. I mean, Alabama is what we used to be that dominate you up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, physically, you know what I mean? They just go yes. it a little bit more. And now we want to strive to be what they are now. And they think they're still that from 1980 when Marcus Allen, 1981, was yeah. in the ball. But no we're not. shit. So the quarterback the onus falls on him when it used to be, he used to be a part of the puzzle. Now he is the puzzle because, well, they gotta throw it. So if they're physical, they're gonna be fine and they'll get tested when they play Utah. San Jose State, they got a guy who's been in college football a while and Nick Starkle's been on three, I think three different universities. They return like twenty guys. They're physical up front. SC should be the favorite in the South. Then whoever's quarterback plays better in yep. Washington or Oregon, they're gonna yep. win the one of those will win the North. So I, I like it. I understand why people look at it as a finesse conference. It pisses me off beyond, but it's true. And I'm a Pac-12 through and through, but when it comes to physicality, I don't ever look my way to the Pac-12 and say, yep, boy, we'll knock your ass out. <laughs> a you run a team that, when you run into a team that will, now it becomes a problem. So I like them. I hope I, I hope that I love them after seeing them play or three or four weeks, but they, they, their identity, they haven't found it yet. And if Clay Helton doesn't find it and loses to either UCLA or Notre Dame, With this schedule outside of that, uh, they may be looking at a bigger name. And SC's, you know, the arrogance of my school and its pride, and and I got That's not the SC way, right? They want the big name, Urban Meyer. They want that. They want the Matt Campbell's of the world who's become a big name, right? (laughs) Right. Riley's. The problem is it's not there. Clay Hell is one of the hell of a guy. But a USC alumni and Board of Regents don't give two shits about a hell of a guy. They care about can we get back to old SC? The problem is, Old SC football probably doesn't win much in college. That's my point. You got to have both. You better have a dynamic quarterback and a, when I need five minutes or four minute drill of knocking the shit out of you, you better have guys that can push the line of scrimmage. I think that's been our biggest problem over the last handful of years. We don't dominate either side of the line of scrimmage and it's got to get back to that.
0: Man. I love, I love some of the names you just mentioned. Cause you know, when Lamb and I used to talk about this and he was like, shit, man, you know, we had Bruce Matthews, Anthony Munoz. We had fucking Ronnie Lott, Marcus Allen. And I'm like, You know, I'm thinking I'm looking at that roster and I'm just going, holy shit, what's what being on the practice field with those guys every day just had to be unbelievable.
1: Let me tell you something. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I'm sure that the Miami Hurricanes say the same thing back in the day with all those great teams. I'm sure Notre Dame in their past. I can just tell you from me now, when I walked on as a freshman. Not walked on, but when I my first year as a freshman and went to training camp. Now, when you look around, Tim McDonald, Dwayne Bickett, Jack Del Rio, Bruce Matthews, Roy Foster, Don Mosbar, uh, Joey Browner—I mean, the list goes on. And a matter of fact, and guys behind them that were freshmen that you knew were going to be great players. I mean, it just goes on and on. Our spring scrimmages and our practices every day—if you were—if you were faint of heart, motherfucker, stay in the locker room because it's not the place for you to be. And John Robinson loved oh, running the ball and being physical. That's. That's the way it was. And I believe at times that our practice field was the toughest competition we faced. And it's true. Then you go play Notre Dame and that. But on a regular basis, Hall of Fame list, I mean, it is a, well, the drafts over the years have proven in all Americans, USC's history. But nobody cares about history in 2021. They care about winning games now. But as Lamb mentioned, we were... It's hard not to succeed, but nine wins at a school like that is no longer good enough. Nine nope. wins at Alabama is no longer oh, good oh, enough. You can't it's a failure. That's right. Which is it's a failure. Good. Look at Bo Pellini. Now they wish and you yeah. averaged nine wins and they ran his ass out. They ran it, you're gone. It's a failure. Gone. And now look what that blue blood program's doing now. They can't beat you and me right now in Nebraska. It's so a failure. SC the the practice, the players I played against on that practice field, yeah. it was like head scratching at how good they were. It really was.
0: You know, the one thing as I get ready to watch college football this weekend, like you and, you know, millions of others, man, I hate that fucking instant replay rule in college football. I hate the targeting rule. It's really taken. I don't want to say the enjoyment. It's taken some of the enjoyment. out. I I just it just to me disrupts the flow of the game, particularly at the end of games. It drives me freaking crazy.
1: Grant, you hit a good lead to me. I'm not. There's a lot of bad rules and like rules committees seem to meet just to meet and change shit just to change it, which I hate. If it ain't broke, leave it alone, man. Yeah, we don't need to raise the rim to eleven feet in basketball. We don't need to move the mound back six inches so hitters have more of an advantage. And we sure as shit don't need a target rule. A targeting Amen. rule. Listen, okay. If you have a targeting rule, I get it. And what I mean by don't need it is, if a guy goes and it's football, we don't have Keanu Reeves in the Matrix playing football where you can suspend yourself in midair and sometimes <laughs> the receiver catches it. Dip, and I'm an offensive guy. Dips right. his head. And they go head to helmet to helmet. That's not targeting. You are no. trying to protect yourself to go hit him in the rib cage, but he dips and you go helmet to helmet. That's the intent isn't there. And to kick a guy out and make him miss the, the half of the next game, it's, it's on, wrong. And there's there's only eleven or twelve of the games. You you know what? If you want to flag him and if he does it twice, then you kick him out. We can't be getting rid of players in Definitely. a college. And you know what? And in a big game. When one player, your middle linebacker, your strong safety, your your running back, a targeting and, and they're eliminated, one player's huge in college football and one loss, unless you're Alabama. If SC loses to San Jose State, we're not we we can't make the final four unless yeah. the rest of college football pisses down their legs. So I hate it. It's about as bad as the quarterback hit rule. We it's fucking understand terrible. protection of our stars. It's overboard. Come on, we're we're, clo- we're as close to playing red jersey during a game. Is there? I'm not saying the quarterbacks aren't tough. Most quarterbacks hate the rule. Yet every time a quarterback gets hit, what's the first thing they do now? Grant flip their head to the referee and say, "Absolutely, gonna call a foul." Are you can call a flag. So I hate it. We're losing some of the integrity of football because we think you got to be safe, but we don't give a shit about knee injuries that ruin careers. We only care about from the neck up, which I know is dangerous. Yeah. Most football players would like the integrity and quarterback saying you got a shot and you hit me anywhere from below the armpits down to the thighs. but You do it. And, and and try, you know, your goal is to separate the ball from the dude. Right. Yeah. You do it legally without lead with your helmet, and the dirty player. I've never had a problem with us taking vicious hits, legal vicious hits. It's a bad rule for college football. You shouldn't be kicking a guy out after one bang, bang play that he didn't mean to hurt anybody.
0: I'm with you. Well, listen, man. I hope you have a fabulous Labor Day weekend. I, it's so awesome. It's going to be our last Sunday without NFL football, and then that's going to be our life for the next uh, six, seven months. You got some really good games. You said tonight, tomorrow. So, I mean, the whole weekend, man. So enjoy the football weekend, buddy. Enjoy it.
1: Yeah, Thanks you too. Let me give a couple gambling questions for you, real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just real quick. I, I gotta, yeah. I gotta, we got a big game tonight too with the Ohio State, There's a Final yep. Four caliber team and a new quarterback and CJ Stroud at Minnesota. Grant, are you on a road game at, for instance, would you rather get, if you're Minnesota, who's not a top 20 team, yep. would you rather play Ohio state now or four weeks from now? So if it's 14 points on a big spread, yep. would you, I mean, don't you lean to the home team, Minnesota and say, can they, can they get a backdoor cover? Or is this just, if it's that high, look for the dominant team to win early in the season. Cause the best teams usually do win, but, 14 seems like a lot on the road opening game with a new quarterback.
0: Yeah, you know what? Uh to me the best teams in college football like Ohio State, I don't think being on the road is a factor for them. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I agree. Per- personally, I agree. if I if I'm betting on that game, I'm going to give the 14. I'm I I would go with Ohio State. They're a far superior team than Minnesota. Uh again, good teams, I don't think, you know, when you were on USC, you know, like you guys don't give a shit when you go on the road. You're a right. better team, you're going to go kick their ass. So I think Ohio State would cover that game.
1: Yeah, when all is said and done, the team with better players, yeah, you most of the time usually wins. And it's not like you're tired seven games in. It's the opening game after coming out of a COVID year. You damn well better be focused and fired up. And, you know, you
0: talk about new quarterbacks, but these are the blue chipper quarterbacks that have been waiting their turn. And more times than not, they handle the pressure. They handle the moment. Uh, I, I just me. I don't think that's that big of a deal for Ohio state. No okay, disrespect one, to Minnesota. Yeah. One, go one, ahead, ahead. one last yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: football question. Let's post this. Cause I want your yeah. opinion. We'll, we'll yeah. have a little side bet. Loser by yeah. steak and beer. Fucking eight. Give me, give me your final four teams. College football final four.
0: Wow. Uh, well, I'm going to go Alabama just because I have to, I think, uh, Oh, uh, that is a fucking great question. You caught me off guard here. I'll go Ohio State again. I still think okay. they're going to be very good. Yeah,
1: um, study for this. That is why I am going to throw a no, no. little shocker too. Yeah.
0: You you probably would. Um I'm going to go SEC, I think it's going to get two teams. I'm going to go with Georgia. I know people are going to go, no, that's not possible. I think it is possible. I'm looking at their oh, schedule. Yeah. That would be my third. And boy, my fourth team. That is a hell of a a question you got me stumped there man I can't go with a Pac-12 team let me ask you do you got a Pac-12 team in the final four
1: I, I, I don't I don't I don't either I, have, I don't either I have Oklahoma I have Oklahoma and I think Rattler's gonna be the Heisman Trophy winner all right I like him and I think he's gonna post some monster numbers I got I think they're staying in it I got Ohio State Alabama and Georgia I'm leaving Clemson out this year. I was going to ask
0: about Clemson. Why?
1: And I think they're a great team. But I like Rattler, and I think JT Daniels and the way – a lot of people think Georgia can win it. And i got two upsets in that. i got Georgia playing Oklahoma in the national title game this year and Georgia winning it. I think it's time for Kirby Smart to do it, and I'll take Spencer Rattler as the Heisman Trophy winner. Just another one that Lincoln Riley keeps throwing out there, and it'll end up making him the first or second pick of the draft. So you got Clemson on the outside looking in. You got them
0: as maybe the fifth team in the country, that, right? Is that what you're
1: Yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, I think North, th- th- those teams right hanging around the Texas A&M. Yeah. But, yeah, I think Georgia, it's time. And you're right. It's tough to win back-to-back national titles. And as good as Alabama is, I'll say because there's yep. a new young quarterback, I'll go with JT Daniels who had to transfer from USC. So I'm going to take Georgia beating Oklahoma this year. I like AM. They
0: got Alabama at College Station a little bit later in the year, so keep an eye on that game. So it's gonna be fun. Hey man, have a great weekend. Good shit. You can have, I love doing that, man. Let's do that every show.
1: I always love your opinion, and no, there's nobody better at doing what they do, brother. I love it. I love how feisty you are. Always prepared. You're my guy. I love you, man. Have a great one. Love be you. safe, my man. It's time for rant, rant.
0: Today's rant is brought to you by the home theater company, audio, video, and home theater. Go online, home theater company.com Well, Sean and I touched on this, what the hell is the deal with all the criticism towards Bill Belichick because he cut Cam Newton? Again, what the hell has Cam Newton done lately? You know, it's not like he cut Johnny Unitas in his freaking prime. He cut Cam Newton who hasn't done squat in the last few seasons. Here's the other deal. Mac Jones outplayed him during the preseason. And then a week ago when they were practicing against the New York Giants and Newton was unavailable due to COVID protocols, Mac Jones played great against the Giants, and I think that opened up everyone's eyes even further with New England. I mean, Asante Samuel, the former defensive back, killing Belichick, talking about how he's really not that good of a head coach when he doesn't have Brady. What a bunch of nonsense. There's nobody in football that does not consider Bill Belichick as one of the great coaches in the history of the NFL. And defensively, the guy is brilliant. An absolutely brilliant mind. Get off Bill Belichick. You know, if you don't like him, that's one thing. But you're going to criticize the guy because he cut cam newton stop it already all right we're talking about cam newton here we're not talking about the 2015 mvp cam newton we're talking about the newton that has quite frankly stunk the last couple of years that's the cam newton that got cut freaking relax and that's my rant for today and that's my podcast for today really appreciate you checking us out here And thank you so much. Have yourself a fabulous, and I do mean fabulous, Labor Day weekend. Stay safe. Look forward to being back with you next week. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier.